0: Thank you for joining and welcome back. My name is Victor Nieves. You're listening to the Deep Dive Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about quite possibly the worst thing that has ever happened to the Second Amendment, known as the National Firearms Act, or the NFA, passed in the year 1934. It is responsible for essentially doing away with the possession of so-called machine guns, short-barreled rifles, and short-barreled shotguns the way that the NFA essentially got rid of the average Joe's ability to buy, sell, trade, transfer, etc., these specific kinds of firearms, was it assigned a $200 tax stamp, which, remember, the bill was passed in 1934, And in the year 1934, a $200 tax stamp was a fairly considerable amount of money. So they used the power to tax, right? Uh, Congress has the power to tax. Thank you, that's so cool, right? 16th Amendment. But Congress has the power to tax. And as such, they devised this clever little plot in their heads with the well, the, the so-called intent of curbing gang violence. You know, back in the 1930s, you, you certainly had some gang bangers. You had the, uh, the mafia was definitely alive and well at that time. And you did have some people that were running around with short-barreled machine guns. They were holding up banks. You know, Robin, be doing doing what, uh, what gangsters and, and mafia people used to do. And so the government devised this plan to disarm, essentially to disarm, uh, all these gangbangers. I don't know exactly how well it worked back in the day, but uh, they wanted to disarm these gangbangers by essentially removing their weapon of choice. And they knew, even back then in the 1930s, they knew that the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed. And they didn't have the ability to just straight up write a law that forbid the possession or transfer or etc. of certain kinds of guns. That wasn't on their plate at that time. What they decided to do instead was to do what I believe to be an entirely unconstitutional uh, destruction of the Second Amendment through their power to tax, right? They levied this $200 tax stamp on anyone, and along with the $200 tax stamp, there was an extensive approval process that somebody had to go through. They had to fill out a specific form in order to acquire it, and then that gun was essentially registered with that individual, and the federal government would use that process to kind of track... anyone that had committed a crime with that specific kind of weapon. So real quick, I want to read directly from the ATF website a little section they have giving a little bit of the history of the NFA. So I'm just going to, in all transparency, read this uh, basically verbatim from the ATF website. It says the NFA was originally enacted in 1934, similar to the current NFA. The original act imposed a tax on the making and transfer of firearms defined by the act as quote special or as a quote special occupational tax on persons and entities engaged in the business of importing, manufacturing, and dealing NFA firearms, the law also required the registration of all NFA firearms with the Secretary of the Treasury. Firearms subject to the 1934 Act included shotguns and rifles having barrels less than 18 inches in length. Certain firearms described as, quote, any other weapon, machine guns and firearm mufflers and silencers. While the NFA was enacted by Congress as an exercise of its so-called authority to tax, the NFA had an underlying purpose unrelated to revenue collection. Yeah, no joke. As the legislative history of the law discloses, its underlying purpose was to curtail, if not prohibit, transactions in NFA firearms. Congress found these firearms to pose a, quote, significant crime problem because of their frequent use in crime, particularly the gangland crimes of that era, such as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. The $200 making and transfer taxes on most NFA firearms were considered quite severe and adequate to carry out Congress's purpose to discourage or eliminate transactions in these firearms. The $200 tax has not changed since 1934." As structured in 1934, the NFA imposed a duty on persons transferring NFA firearms as well as mere possessors of unregistered firearms to register them with the Secretary of the Treasury. If the possessor of an unregistered firearm applied to register the firearm as required by the NFA, the Treasury Department could supply information to state authorities about the registrant's possession of the firearm. State authorities could then use the information to prosecute the person whose possession violated state laws. For these reasons, the Supreme Court in 1960 L is 1968 held in the Haynes case that a person prosecuted for possession of an unregistered NFA firearm had a valid defense to the prosecution. The registration requirement imposed on the possessor of an unregistered firearm violated the possessor's privilege from self incrimination under the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution. The Hayes decision made the 1934 Act virtually unenforceable. Then we have an update. This is, again from their website. It says Title II of the Gun Control Act, or GCA of 1968. Title II amended the NFA to the constitutional excuse me, to cure the constitutional flaw pointed out in Haynes. First, the requirement for possessors of unregistered firearms to register was removed. Indeed, under the amended law, there is no mechanism for a possessor to register an unregistered firearm already possessed by the person. Second, a provision was added to the law prohibiting the use of any information from an NFA application or registration as evidence against the person in a criminal proceeding with respect to violation of law occurring prior to or concurrently with the filing of the application or registration. In 1971, the Supreme Court re-examined the updated NFA in the Freed case and found that the 1968 amendments did in fact cure, quote-unquote, cure the constitutional defect in the original NFA. Title II also amended the NFA definitions of firearm, by adding, quote, destructive devices and expanding the definition of machine guns. Then, in 1986, we had the Firearm Owners Protection Act, the FOA, or FOPA, excuse me, the Firearm Owners Protection Act, passed by Ronald Reagan, by the way, one of the great uh, failures of his administration. 1986, this act amended the NFA definition of silencer by adding combinations of parts for silencers and any part, intended for the use in assembly or fabrication of a silencer. The act also amended the GCA to prohibit the transfer or possession of machine guns. Exceptions were made for transfers of machine guns to or possession of machine guns by government agencies." Did you catch that? There's an exception made for the transfer of these machine guns to government agencies and those lawfully possessed before the effective date of prohibition, May 19th, 1986. So now to, to take that giant compilation of word salad from the ATF's website and make it kind of make sense, to put it into common sense terms, we had the original NFA. It was found to be unconstitutional, then updated. And once it was updated, the Supreme Court said, okay, this is fine, you can now do this. A terrible, terrible decision of the Supreme Court, not understanding that the Second Amendment very clearly says, shall not be infringed. Four words, not very hard to understand. Can't believe the Supreme Court upheld this. But then after that, in 1986, Ronald Reagan, again, a great failure of his presidency, Ronald Reagan comes in, and amends the NFA, and actually continues to further the restrictions on law-abiding gun owners. So anyways, now at the recording, or at the time of recording this podcast, the NFA currently essentially bans, but really just requires you to get a special tax stamp and go through all of these hoops and special paperwork and etc. As of right now, at the time of recording this, the NFA basically prohibits any uh, rifles and shotguns that have an overall length of under 26 inches or rifles with a barrel under a barrel, not overall length, but a barrel under 16 inches and shotguns with a barrel under 18 inches. So a, a rifle, if it's something that's this is going to get funny, if there's something that's legally considered to be a rifle rifle, It has to be a overall length of 26 inches and it has to have a barrel of over 16 inches or 16 inches or greater. Same thing applies to a shotgun. It has to have an overall tip-to-butt length of 26 inches, but a barrel length of no less than 18 inches. Now, you find the great irony and the stupidity of the NFA, of the ATF, of Congress, so on and so forth, when you really start to, to see where the rubber hits the road on these regulations between ATF regulations, ATF definitions, that's where it gets really important, and the NFA. See, because the ATF has rulemaking authority, this is something... We covered in a prior episode of the podcast titled The Tyranny of the Bureaucracies and the Three-Letter Agencies, that they are given this so-called rule-making authority, or the authority to basically interpret and apply and enforce laws of Congress. Absolutely ridiculous, a total violation of the separation of powers, completely unconstitutional, but the ATF has been given the unilateral authority to basically redefine entire classifications of firearms. So whatever a pistol is, by their definition, is now whatever a pistol is, right? For legal purposes, they have specific criteria for pistols, and they're ever-changing. They're extremely difficult to understand, but they are there are AR-15, there are AK-47 platform guns that have the specific barrel length requirements, the specific uh, pistol grip dimensions, the specific requirements, this, that, and the other thing, to where they are technically, right? If I showed you a picture of them, you would say, oh, that that is an AR-15, or oh, that is an AK-47 platformed rifle. That's what you would think. But because they don't have, for example, a stock, because they don't have uh, a, a a device on them that allows you to mount it to your shoulder, at least not one that is technically designed to mount it to your shoulder, that means that they are a pistol. The, the easiest way, although not the most legally sound way, to understand what the ATF views as a pistol is anything that they think think is intended to be fired without shouldering it, right? You're, you're just holding it in your hands. There's nothing to put up against your shoulder. Uh, there's no way to, for example, have, a a vertical foregrip there's no place really to hold it with two hands you know you you hold a a pistol grip with two hands but they don't really like you holding things like a like a lower foregrip or anything like that it's so confusing it's so stupid It highlights the low intelligence of the people in the ATF that are making these regulations defining what each thing is but now as a result you have rifles that for all or guns I should say because they're not legally rifles you have firearms that for all intents and purposes, our short-barreled rifles that have that are that are legally classified as pistols they are legally classified as pistols but for all intents and purposes they are basically a short barreled rifle but because they do not have a plastic stock and they do not have a vertical foregrip or something like that they're legally classified as a pistol even though they look just like a rifle even though they're built on the exact same platform as a rifle they're legally considered a pistol therefore not a short barreled rifle. But the second that you take, so imagine in your head a Glock 17, a Glock 18, and you take a plastic little cheap $10 vertical foregrip, one of those little guys that slides on and slides off, and you mount it to the underneath of that little pistol. You mount it to that pistol. Guess what that is? According to current ATF regulations and the NFA, that is considered a short-barreled rifle. And if you are in possession of a short-barreled rifle without having the proper tax stamp, that is felony possession of a short-barreled rifle. You are now a felon. The same thing applies if you imagine an AR-15 platform pistol, it has no, on, on the buffer tube, if you're familiar with you know an AR-15 platform, the buffer tube, the, the cylinder piece at the end of the gun, that's where the stock goes onto, a little plastic piece, you put it right on there. Well, if you take a pistol, an AR pistol platform, it doesn't have the plastic piece. On the end of the buffer tube, it doesn't have the plastic stock. If you take a, a legally purchased pistol, a legally purchased AR-15 platform pistol, and then you take the $20 piece of plastic stock and you stick it on that buffer tube, instantly, bada bing, bada boom, guess what that is? It's no longer a pistol. It is now, for legal purposes, a short-barreled rifle, an SBR, which is, again, outlawed unless you have your special tax stamp. These stupid, stupid definitions and, and stupid pieces of regulations have allowed the firearm industry to find every little loophole that is humanly possible. You've got, you've got short-barreled shotguns, or SBSs. You've got short-barreled shotguns that are not technically short-barreled shotguns. Again, they don't meet that barrel length requirement of uh, 18 inches. It's a shotgun that does not have a barrel length of 18 inches, but because of literally, I kid you not, because of the angle of the pistol grip and the fact that it doesn't have a stock, it doesn't have anything to shoulder it, because of the angle and, and, and all of that kind of stuff, even though it's under 18 inches and it is a full-blown shotgun, it's considered a shotgun pistol. This, this is so beyond stupid, and it's exactly what happens when people who don't really understand go- guns or firearms are the ones who are making the, making the laws, making the, uh, the regulations and etc., pertaining to those firearms that they fundamentally do not understand. A perfect example of this, by the way, another example to highlight the stupidity of all this, is remember the bump stock ban? Well, the bump stock the bump stock ban didn't happen as a result of Congress. It didn't happen as a result of new legislation. It simply happened, and this is a criticism, a strong criticism, criticism of Donald Trump. This happened because Donald Trump requested that we get rid of bump stocks. Bump stocks are just a device, a a stock, a piece of plastic that allows the reciprocation of the rifle. When it's fired, it allows the reciprocation of the rifle to make it easier for an individual to do what's called bump firing, which is just that you pull forward on the rifle while having something fixed in front of the trigger. The recoil shoots the gun back, resetting the trigger, but you are already pulling it forward, so it allows this very, very quick burst fire. It's horribly inaccurate, terribly impractical, borderline useless, but it's kind of a novelty novelty thing that's sort of fun, and it allows a semi-automatic rifle, a rifle that does not have a select fire option, doesn't have a fully automatic um, option, it allows it to shoot a lot faster. It allows it to kind of resemble, somewhat, sort of resemble uh, a rifle that is considered a machine gun, except with none of the practicality. Some of the fun of it, some of the the mag dump capacity, but basically none of the practicality. And so they went in and they banned bump stocks. The reason, or, or I guess the the way that they were able to ban bump stocks isn't, again, by a piece of legislation. It's not because Congress passed a law, it's because the ATF... Using the NFA, the ATF simply redefined the bump stocks as something that falls within the definition of machine guns because it's a device that allows the shooter to make a semi-automatic rifle essentially a fully automatic rifle, something that it basically does not do. So they've used this authority, this rulemaking authority we talked about in the prior podcast. They've used this rulemaking authority to further... One of the greatest sins against the Second Amendment that our country has ever seen. Now, basically anything that they don't like, they figure out a way to redefine it so that it is now considered to be a short-barreled rifle and say that you can't possess that unless you get our special permission that you paid us our extortion fee in order to get. Now, shockingly, the liberals have not yet got up in arms about this, but if you think about it, at its core... The NFA tells you that you cannot fully and properly execute your Second Amendment rights, your your Bill of Rights. You cannot properly exercise your Bill of Rights if you are poor, because one of the key requirements is that you pay them the extortion fee. Poor people are not allowed to fully exercise their Second Amendment rights in the way that rich people are, because rich people can afford to pay the $200 tax stamp, and ironically, The same people on the left who are vehemently against voter ID they're vehemently against anything that costs any money because they, in their racist minds, they think that minorities won't have the money or the intelligence to acquire an ID or to purchase an ID or to do things like that. They they see no problem with the NFA that requires them to go through all of these hoops, file all of this paperwork, go through the right departments, get your, your final tax stamp, and pay an extortion fee of $200, an awful lot more than a voter ID. They have no issue with that whatsoever because it pertains to the Second Amendment, and obviously they're in favor of the original purpose of the NFA, which is admittedly on the ATF website, as we covered earlier, the purpose of the NFA is literally to do away with fully automatic rifles, to do away with short-barreled rifles, to do away with anything that they consider to be a machine gun. They want to basically get rid of it. That was the purpose in 1934. And they're totally fine with making these weapons, these firearms inaccessible to lower-class people that they always inextricably uh, correlate between you know the poor people and black people in, in, in the liberal mind Minority and poor are synonyms, yet they have no issue with this in any way, shape, or form. And remember, all of this is made possible because of the existence of one of the very worst constitutional amendments in our nation's history, the 16th Amendment. Remember, Congress claimed that they were able to do this legally, that it was constitutional to violate the Second Amendment in this way. They claimed that they could do this because Congress has the power to levy taxes, which now sets precedent that basically anything Congress does not like, they can, they can basically do away with by taxing it into non-existence. I, almost, I can almost guarantee you, that this exact same strategy that was used to get rid of SBRs and so-called machine guns, this exact same strategy is almost certainly going to be used on ammunition, on certain types of ammunition. It's already, I didn't mention this earlier, but the NFA already bans basically every caliber above 50 caliber. So they're already using the NFA to get into ammunition, What what's stopping them from banning 556 or putting a special tax, simply adding 556 to the list of NFA-prohibited items unless you pay this egregious tax? And there is no technical limit on the tax. Remember, 1934, $200 was a lot more money than it is today. If we adjusted that for inflation, it would be well over $1,000. They could simply apply that tax to ammunition and make it ridiculously impossible for anyone to obtain ammunition for their gun. They wouldn't even have to ban the gun. They would simply ban the ammunition, and suddenly it's just an expensive, cool-looking paperweight. So if there's any confusion for anybody on, on why we in the United States right now today aren't actually able to fully exercise, to fully implement our Second Amendment rights... You can point your finger at the 1934 NFA, you can point your finger at the 1968 GCA, and you can point your finger at the 1960 or 1986 uh, Firearms Protection Act, because these are the three pieces of legislation, along with a terrible Supreme Court decision, these are the three pieces of legislation that have done tremendous and possibly irreparable damage to our Second Amendment. And in case there's any ambiguity, in case there's any uncertainty amongst listeners, the NFA is entirely. Entirely unconstitutional. The the entire reason that we have the Second Amendment is to protect ourselves from any enemy, foreign and domestic. It's the final check and balance that exists between a free people and their country. When the government doesn't understand four simple words, "shall not be infringed," that's a very serious problem. And when they're going to weaponize and use their Sixteenth Amendment power to tax to strip us of our fundamental rights, to strip us of things that. That are in the Bill of Rights. I mean, think about the freaking precedent that this has set. You wouldn't have to, to reach very far in order to apply this to the First Amendment, to say, well, you know, we don't really want people using Twitter and social media, so we're going to basically ban Twitter and social media unless you pay a special tax, unless you get a special tax stamp and special government paperwork, then you can exercise your rights. See how stupid that sounds? See how asinine and ridiculous that sounds? Shall not be infringed is very straightforward and very simple. Politicians have been doing everything in their power, going through infinite mental gymnastics, jumping through as many hoops as humanly possible in order to strip us of our rights for a very, very long time. I mean, this goes back to 1934. That's a long time ago in my book. That is a, a tremendous period of time that they have consistently been chipping away and chipping away and chipping away, little by little by little, capitalizing on anything that they can. Remember, 1934, the justification that they gave was that there was gang violence, that there were people being held up, that there were that there were bad guys, out there doing bad things with these guns, so of course we have to get rid of them. What's stopping them from using that exact same logic right now today and saying there are bad people with these guns and, and they're doing bad things, so we have to put a new tax stamp on them. I'm, I'm surprised, truthfully, I'm surprised that they have not yet tried to do that, that they have not yet tried uh, to to expand the definition, expand the prohibition, within the NFA to include the AR-15, to include certain rifles. I think part of the reason they haven't yet is they're not smart enough to figure out how to make a a distinction there. They're not smart enough to know how to classify certain uh, firearms. But anyways, the NFA is entirely, entirely unconstitutional. The, The Supreme Court cases backing it up, the Supreme Court cases defending it, are among the very worst decisions that our court has ever made, stripping us of our constitutional rights. The Second Amendment has been gutted. And it gutted in a way that it was never intended to be. Uh, to be gutted. We the people. Listen, folks. If you are pro Second Amendment, then you are anti NFA. So if there's any politicians out there who call themselves pro Second Amendment, pro gun, then they need to be outspokenly against the NFA because the Second Amendment is very clear: shall not be infringed. So anyways, that's my explanation. That's a little bit of history and uh, some of my commentary regarding the NFA. Folks, thank you for listening. As always, make sure that you uh, are a supporter if you like the podcast. You want to continue to make these uh, available, continue to make these happen. These podcasts are completely brought to you by the fantastic supporters over on Locals. You can go to thegoons.locals.com. It's only $3 a month. If I've ever provided you with $3 worth of education, or entertainment, I encourage you, I implore you uh, to go over there. It's just a few clicks away, thegoons.locals.com. Become a supporter today. You also get to vote on what the next podcast subject is. And until then, until the supporters vote on the next podcast, I got to go, folks. That's all the time I have for today. That's all the information I have for today. Until next time, keep me in your prayers. Keep your country in your prayers. God bless.